catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Whenever it feels like you're in the middle of anything, something, you don't really understand what's happening. Yes, just keep going. Nothing will work unless you do. Welcome to Tony's Tech Side. I live stream on www.africatechradio.com every weekday from 9 a.m. West African time till midday. Wherever you're listening from, like, comment, and share. We'll learn a tech word today. We'll dig deep into the rubbles of history to find precious jewels of knowledge to launch us into the future and then share the most important and juiciest tech stories impacting the continent of Africa just to keep you informed you can share your stories with the rest of us on whatsapp yep text or send a voice note on 0913-558-1766 please add plus 234 if you're texting from outside nigeria smile guys it's a wonderful day a word for the day starting you up on the right way the right path yep rss Yes, that's the word for today. R-S-S. The letter R, S, and the letter S. It's short form for really simple syndication. And R-S-S is a web feed format that is used to publish frequently. And it's used to publish frequently updated contents like blog entries. So they're an easy way to stay up to date with your favorite websites, such as the blogs or online magazines. If a site offers an RSS feed, you get notified whenever a post goes up and then you can read a summary or read the whole post. Subscribing to an RSS feed lets you know your users get the updates from your website or view the feeds from several sites in one place without having to visit each individual website to manually check for updates. So for podcasters and for people who do content, you you most likely be familiar with this with this term RSS feed because you most likely have been asked to submit your RSS feed to a site when you went where you want your podcast or your content to go on. So if site A, you know you have your content on site A, but you don't want to manually put your content on site B, site C, site D, site E, E, F, whatever. What you just do is submit your RSS feed of site A to site B, C, D, whatever. And then once you drop your content on one site, that's your site A, the primary site, it automatically posts on all the other sites so that all those who are on those sites and not on the one where you post can also view those updates and can listen, watch, listen to, read whatever you've posted from site A. So that's what it that's what it, act, it actually does. And you can do the same thing for your readers. Now, today, looking at, um, well, we're looking at the Osborne, right? It's um, a sad day somehow as the Osborne Computer Corporation, or corporation rather, declares bankruptcy. And this is just two years after producing the first portable computer, the Osborne One. This happened in 1983, September 13. And in this week, it's pretty sad because the Osborne Computer Corporation was an American company that made the first mass-produced portable computer in 1981. So when you're talking of the the world's first mass-produced portable computer, that was in 1981 and it was the Osborne One made by the Osborne Computer Corporation. And Adam Osborne was a founder of the company and he the design work for the computer was done by Lee Felsenstein, yeah. So after he sold his 
computer book publishing company to McGraw Hill in 1979, he decided to market an inexpensive portable computer, and the result was the Osborne One, which featured a 5-inch, 52-column display, two floppy disk drives, a Z80 microprocessor, a 64 KB of RAM. It could fit under an airplane seat. It had a CPM operating system, the basic programming language, a word processing package, a spreadsheet program, and it also included a project management software and a communication software for a 300 bond modem. Now, despite the early success that it had, so <laughs> it struggled under heavy competition. The K Pro computer offered portables, you know, just like the Osborne one that ran the CPM and included a software bundle also. But the K Pro offered a larger nine inch screen. And Apple computers um, had a large software library of their own with aftermarket cards that could run CPM as well. And IBM's was IBM's PC was on another level, it was faster and more advanced and offered a rapidly growing software library and the efforts made by Osborne to raise $20 million in capital to rush an IBM compatible computer to market was quite unsuccessful. Now, computer industry law or legend has it that the Osborne effect killed the company just two years, you know, after it, you know, was launched or it was incorporated. But, you know, some other people also say that it was due to the pressure of competition and mismanagement. So what's the Osborne effect? The Osborne effect, let me tell you the story first. So what happened was Adam Osborne um, started showing the Osborne executive, that's the Osborne 2, a much more better product you know, than the Osborne 1, a much improved product from the Osborne 1, which is the Osborne 2, which was named the Osborne Executive to journalists in early 1983. And then dealers started cancelling the orders they had made for the Osborne 1 in anticipation of the new Osborne, the Osborne Executive. And the number of the Osborne 1 kept piling up in the stores that they had. And the price of the Osborne 1 you know, fell from a thousand dollars in July 1983 to about $900 in August of the same year, and it did not go up anymore, it just kept taking the knee. And there were disagreements, you know, on whether the Osborne effect truly caused the company to collapse or whether it was other things, like I said, you know, mismanagement, competitive pressure. But surely you just know that when anyone says the Osborne effect, what it means is you have a product, you have, you're not done selling it, yeah? And then you start marketing or start announcing or showcasing a much more improved when you don't have, you know, any intention of killing the first one. You're still producing the first one and you're already marketing a new one. Nobody wants the old stuff. They want the new one. So that's exactly what happened. And so sad that this happened. Or oh, let me just to be clear, it was one of the most successful. In the first, there was a time when they were doing 500. Like they were having 500 people reaching out to them to say, oh, I want this number of computers. So 1,500 in one day, in one week. That's how good you know, their sales were. But the moment this happened, um, they started marketing and talking about the new, improved, newly improved stuff they have. People stopped buying, um, you know, the old stock and they were still producing the old stock. Yeah. So 
I hope that everyone learns from this and just also someone who um, another story too, which is of a Nigerian um, CEO who recently came out on Twitter to talk about, you know, how his company, um, you know, that kind of like went under a year ago, how he dealt with, you know, the mental health issues that he had to deal with and whatnot and how they said he made bad decisions and he stands, you know, by the fact that he didn't make any bad decision. Okay, so will art ultimately kill the artist? While I was in uni one day, we had like a debate with one of our lecturers. And so he put it to us. He was like, so does art ultimately kill the artist? Like does innovation ultimately kill the innovator? The science ultimately kill the scientist? And it could be like you could see this in different ways. Yeah. So the first being, oh, you most likely have gone through a lot trying to validate your claim either it's the arts you're trying to you know get validation for or the science you know or the innovation right and then you'd put yourself you would bend right to the wheel of the art bend to the wheel of you know whatever innovation or whatever science you're trying to you know disprove or approve of and when you're done you're ultimately spent right and at that point in time you're, you're proved right to everybody it's it, the relevance is clear everyone can see it it's, it's as clear as daylight but then you're spent you're used and you ultimately you know bow to the will you know of the art of the innovation or of the science or you know whatever you're you're trying to approve or disprove of you know and also people were like oh so you know you can decide to balance and whatnot and it's like so everyone, we didn't really, you know, come to a conclusion to say, oh, that hap- usually happens because I know that the points where, you know, the likes of Picasso's were painting and they felt that, you know, they, it was, the, the, what they were painting, their paintings killed them, right? We later found out that they were using lead. Yeah, like their paint had lead in it and uh, lead kind of like, it drives people crazy it has like some 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 elements in it some things in it that drives people crazy and that's actually it's the lead that kills them not the painting that kills them but if you work a long time with lead you you automatically get sick you know and then you die of maybe lead poisoning or something like that but then everyone believes that picasso or whatever like that very michelangelo or the rest of them like their, their their art killed them now, this makes me remember, you know, Nigerian Iliru Lua or Ladimeji Aloba, um, known professionally as Mobad, Nigerian rapper, singer, and songwriter from Lagos. He was formerly signed to Nairamali's Marlian Records and left the label in 2022. He's late, um, died um, 2023, September, and he's been confirmed. I was just speaking to Olamide Daniels, um, a colleague of mine here, and we talked about afro depression you know <laughs> just a few days ago uh, and thinking that now like hearing of the death of mobad and listening to some of the songs and the lyrics and how it seemed like everything was written weaved finely into the art weaved nicely into the rap and the songs and we all just kept dancing and jumping up and down like jumping to the the you know whatever i don't want to call it mystery and whatnot I, I don't know how I don't know what to make of it. If you know what to make of it, <laughs> send us a text on WhatsApp. Yeah. Or hit us up on social media at Africa Tech Radio on Twitter and on Facebook and at A Tech Radio on Instagram. At A Tech Radio on Instagram and at Africa Tech Radio on LinkedIn. Send a voice note or send a text 
0913-558-1766. Does art ultimately kill the artist? Does innovation ultimately kill the innovator? It's a really, really important conversation. Just at the same time, in the same breath of conversation, we need to start thinking about, you know, Afro-depression and artist mental health. We also need to start addressing mental health, you know, of techies too, those who stay in the um, founding companies and they're in the clout now as it is, as we're talking tech, as it's happening, you're the guys everybody turns to, yeah? It also reminds me of what happened to cloud commerce, and the founder recently, Ulumide Olusaya, you know, broke the silence of over a year of financial controversy. He was at a time accused of reckless spending of the company's funds in a bitter fight with an investor. But then he came out one year after this happened. Uh, September marks uh, the one year anniversary of the shutting down of cloud commerce. And he said he has since healed from the hurting darkness that he stumbled and descended into last year. And that's in 2022, last year. And has since resurrected from the shadow of death that tried to bury him, um, March through Q2 2023. And these were the words he used on Twitter. And following the company's shutdown, his life fell into his, into pitch darkness. And he shared on, on his Twitter thread, how he withdrew from everything and everyone, which really alarmed his wife. Thank God he had family with him, and such that he was put on a 24-hour suicide watch, and he lost interest in literally everything. So he refuted also the claim that he spent recklessly and prioritized the business over the product. And he stressed that with over 20 years of domain ex- expertise, um, he stood by all the decisions he is standing by, still stands by all the decisions he made in and he's sure that they were all in the company's best interest. As I said before, we need to actually start thinking and looking at what exactly it means. The mental health. When I was at Ingressive for Goods event in 2022, it was one of the things they introduced that mental health, right? I think we need to you know, go back to it again. We had some conversations early on this year and late last year also. But we need to have that conversation again and again and again and again to keep reminding ourselves that, you know, it's not just this guy, like the Osborne guy, you know, with the failed um, move two years after launching his company or the cloud guy um, who just, you know, took to Twitter. But there are a couple of others, employers, employees, founders, you know, co-founders, even investors. Everyone is involved, like everyone has some form of challenge or the other. And it almost always affects our psyche, our emotional intelligence, our emotions and, you know, our psychology. So we plenty for here. So let's all also try our best to be kind to one another today. Well, the story is making the round. Stories impacting the continent of Africa. We're starting in Nigeria with the Federal Competition and Consumer Protection Commission in Nigeria delisting more loan apps. Yes, Nigeria's delisted loan apps has risen from 9 to 37 indicating a growing concern regarding the operations of the operations of these apps in the country now the report by the fccpc reveals that the delisted apps have been permanently removed from the google play store and it's a strong stance by the commission to emphasize the need for stricter regulation in the loan app industry some of the delisted apps you know are swift cash Hand credit loan app, cash door app, joy cash loan, 
Ego Cash app, Lucky Loan, Personal Loan app, and you know a whole lot more. The leasing process aims to protect consumers from fraudulent or unreliable loan apps that may exploit borrowers in vulnerable financial situations. So if you know you're charging, an example could be um, charging really ridiculous, you know, rates, you know, for borrowing in a very short time. Yeah, and the other could be you haven't gone through the process of registering, you know, the way you should. The proper way, you know, with the government agencies, you know, I, I, these are like the uh, major ways, you know, to get the list. And you're not going through following the procedure and the process needed um, or specified by the government in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And still in Nigeria, MTN Nigeria, some bit of good news. They have announced the approval of the purchase of a 2.6 gigahertz spectrum um, and... The license of the 2.6 gigahertz spectrum is for 10 years, which would run from the 7th of September 2023 to the 16th of April 2033, when it can now be renewed. According to MTN, this 2.6 gigahertz spectrum would enable MTN enhance network capacity and also improve the experience or the experience of their customers yeah and then we go swiftly to kenya where the government in kenya has allocated 1 billion kenyan shillings to the introduction of the unique personal identifier upis also known as maisha cards for or to its citizens these digital ids will replace traditional physical ids and this would mark a significant shift in the country's id system I wanted to ask what happened exactly to Huduma Huduma and well, I'm really happy for them and we'll move swiftly to Ethiopia. There are two stories out of Ethiopia and they're really, really important stories. So the first is also an ID related story, biometric related story, because the Ministry of Health in Ethiopia and the National Identity Programme have formed a partnership to integrate the FEDA digital ID with the country's healthcare sector. I know earlier this week, I talked about the FEDA digital ID um, system, but this is digital ID for health. It will serve as a patient registry while supporting national health insurance schemes, employee and professional licensing, health records sharing, and you know a whole lot more in the health space. And the collaboration between the National ID Program in Ethiopia, the NIDP, and the Ministry of Health is intended to simplify transactions, cut fraudulent claims through secure and real-time identity verification. And although there are no specifics for how the ID verification and user authentication will be carried out, but it will most likely be through the biometrics captured during the enrollment for FEDA. And this will help reduce the wait time for registration and pulling out patient records and this would improve health service delivery for persons in ethiopia the use of FEDA is also intended to improve administration and credential verification for increased transparency and enforcement of professional standards we're happy for this happening in ethiopia and we're happy that you know the health sector the health ministry you know keyed into it to solve problems that are theirs like problems that speak to them much more personally same thing everybody should be doing key into you know projects like this that are nationally skilled and just find ways to ensure that they solve you know the problems that speak to your own sector the problems that speak to people generally will concern you individually 
So, state-owned operator Ethio Telecom has announced that it is it has rolled out commercial 5G services in Addis Ababa. And if you're in Nigeria, you use MTN or Airtel, you most likely have received a message saying you have access to 5G services now. You can switch to 5G. And I know already that Lillian here, Brown Sugar, already uses 5G. So she, she switches between 5G and 4G. Yeah, as she said, she's the queen. So <laughs> why not? The official launch for the 5G, commercial 5G in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, took place last weekend. And this followed an earlier pre-commercial 5G mobile tech trial service in Addis Ababa and Adama, the capital city of the Oromia region. Ethio Telecom has said that it has commercialized 5G services at 145 different sites in Addis Ababa and they're ready to offer unlimited 5G data, 5G to the home and a variety of 5G mobile packages to their customers. They also added that to utilize these diverse services and mobile packages, their customers are required to have 5G supporting mobile devices and handsets. It's not clear how widely available handsets are at the moment in Ethiopia. However, according to Telegeography's comms update, mobile 5G tariffs start at about 16 US dollars per month for a plan offering 150 gigabyte of data, while unlimited data 5G plans start at 21 US dollar. Yeah, it's not totally unlimited. There's a fair usage allowance after which peak downlink speed speeds, you know, are slowed down. So 5G fixed wireless services are available in both volume-based and speed-based options. For the rival of Ethio Telecom, which is Safaricom, yes, Kenyan Safaricom, which actually launched, you know, opened up in Ethiopia, they've made it clear that they also plan to deploy 4G and 5G mobile networks across the country, Ethiopia. Um, it's not clear yet when their 5G service will arrive and will be available in the commercial way for, you know, the citizens and the people in Ethiopia. Now, this draws my attention to something I saw earlier this week, where the International Telecommunications Union, ITU, which is the agency in the United Nations that is in charge of tech, said that the number of people connected to internet globally, the internet, increased from 5.3 billion in 2022 to 5.4 billion this year 2023 yes and it's a good thing as olutenola would say what exactly are these people doing while they are connected to the internet it's a milestone to know that yes these people are connected to the internet but what are these people doing these people who are connected to the internet, how are they making use of it? How many people are connected to the internet on the continent of Africa? Are we leaving some people behind? Um, are we just counting numbers as numbers, people connected to the internet and not the value or the quality of what the internet is actually providing for these persons? I'm going to need to like get some kind of motivation before I share the last story that I think is really important because it's an Apple story. Yes, um, the Apple event happened and everyone seemed to be talking about the Apple or the iPhone um, 15 Pro Max and I need some motivation. Has Apple's lightning charger lost its thunder? I mean, has Apple's thunder lost its lightning? Or has Apple's lightning lost its thunder? Maybe it no longer thunders. (laughs) 
Apple has announced that all its products will now come with the USB-C ports, including the AirPods, iPhone 15, and MacBooks. Apple also unveiled the next generation of their iPhone models 15 and 15 Pro. In their annual much-anticipated event held at Corpertino, California, they announced the latest product offerings, including the iPhone 15 series and the new generation of Apple Watches. Whether you like it or not, whether you call on Jehovah like MI or Rap, I can buy NAS for 24 hours. The reality exists. High cost and double digit inflation rates are a thing and they will humble you. You will at least think about it. So affordability remains a thing, really. The iPhone 15 Pro Max will sell at, if we're doing the Naira equivalent, let's say starting at 1.1 million Naira. So at least 1.1 million Naira. Assuming the current exchange rate of 930 Naira to $1 still stands, you know, plus or minus. Apple also showcased four variants of, you know, their newest iPhone model, the iPhone 15, the iPhone 15 Plus, the iPhone 15 Pro, and the iPhone 15 Pro Max. And approximately seven hundred forty-two thousand two hundred seventy. That's um, seven hundred ninety-nine dollars. And the iPhone 15 serves as the entry-level model. I do not intend to drag Apple, but what was that? <laughs> that whole statement of you know about USB becoming a universal accepted standard. I mean the USB-C, and so they're bringing the USB-C to iPhone 15. I'm like, bro, you were dragged. You were literally humbled. I don't understand. What else would you want to do? What else do you want to do? What else? What else can you do? Guy, rest. I beg. <laughs> Anyways, will you buy the iPhone 15 Pro Max at 1.1 million Naira at least? There are a lot of features, you know, like the more repairable back glass, um, you know, titanium, um, the new software features with gaming in mind, the new action button uh, that's replacing the mute and it's now programmable. The addition of the new A17 Pro chip with a 3 nanometer process, a pro camera feature, uh, multiple lenses. This is like equivalent to having 7 camera lenses and 48 megapixels and peak brightness super retina xdr 16 bionic chip voice isolation capability roadside assistance and emergency sos recording in 4k capability like a lot of features right but will you actually get that phone can you afford to get the iphone 15 pro max at 1.1 million naira at least looking at how you know things are right now i'm hearing someone say something must kill a man well, what's your own poison if something must kill a man? Reach out to us across social media at Africa Tech Radio on Twitter and on Facebook and at A Tech Radio on Instagram at Africa Tech Radio on LinkedIn and let us know what you think about the new releases of Apple. Yeah, if they're affordable, if you're going to buy it or if you're just going to wait until the banjo like when the finally like the used one when it comes out here yeah, then you can unbuy it let us know what you think in the comments like and share this i'm done with the top stories yes thank you very much for listening thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com